peace lovers and peacemakers. This is Sara Jamshidi with Martin Rokhsefat. Welcome to Peace Mindedly, a podcast featuring the best of the best of peaceful bridge makers. Today, actually, today is the first day of Ramadan. I am super excited and excited for many reasons. I'm going to explain why. But in this month, Muslims pray and um, it is a month of prayer, purification and tranquility. Muslims try to slow down during this month so they can pay more attention to spirituality and cleansing. In fact, we have no choice but slow down because we stain from food and drink from dawn to dusk. Depending on where we live, we can fast anywhere between 12 hours to 21 hours. For us in Seattle, it is about 16 hours. When my non-Muslim friends uh, find out that I fast for such a long time, they are perplexed and in awe. However, I would refer to my favorite poem by Rumi, Jalaluddin Rumi, that I remember frequently during, during this month. It is empty out your belly from food to see God's light in it. Nevertheless, I am starving until I can put food in my mouth. Ironically, I only think about food and nothing else, let alone God's light. For the same selfish reason, we've decided to talk about our favorite subject for our first Ramadan episode, and that is food. Recipes for Refuge, Culinary Journey to America. I'm going to say it again. This is the book here I have. Recipes for Refuge, Culinary Journeys to America is a book published by Refugee Women Alliance, short for REWA, a non-profit organization in Seattle. Here for this hour, we have three main people who helped to put this book together. I must personally thank Joanne Wolby, Communication Manager, of Riva who helped us relentlessly to book these very busy people. So, so please, I, I am welcoming Mahnaz Korean Ashatu. Hello, Mahnaz. Mahnaz is the executive director of Riva. She looks after the funding process for Riva and is responsible for raising capital for their center. Under her leadership, the organization was professional and was able to grow its budget from $6 million in 2013 to $10 million in 2019. Before joining Riva, Mahnaz served as board chair. She also served quite uh, in a few organizations, including council member of the Key Bank National Advisory and treasurer for the Youth Development Executives of King County. Welcome, Mahnaz. Thank you. Glad Absolutely. To be yes, very good. Joining Mahnaz is Toa Nguyen, a chef. Let me bring Toa here. Hello, Toa. Hello. Um, hello. A chef and Northwest culinary influencer. Born in Saigon, Vietnam, she moved to Denver, Colorado as a refugee with her family when she was 11 years old. She settled in the Pacific Northwest in 1991 and made Seattle her home. A serial entrepreneur, Chef Toa, opened her first restaurant, 
Shenoi, I'm I'm trying to press Shenoa, Shenoa, cafe. Yes, in 1996. Since then, she has been involved in developing Chinese and Vietnamese cuisine in the Greater Pacific Northwest, one of the most populous regions for Asian Americans. I'll be picking up on the recent spate of hate crime against Asians in the U.S. in general and uh, Seattle. in particular, and I'm going to ask Toa, Mahnaz, and Bettina's feedback about about the hate crime that we are dealing with. Our final guest is, let me bring Bettina into our screen, is Bettina Simmons. Hello, Bettina. Bettina grew up in the culturally rich household in a diverse part of Seattle with a Danish mom, American dad, and Japanese stepfather. Bettina enjoys using her marketing and creative skills to help nonprofit organizations such as Riva. Bettina serves as the board of directors at Seward Art Clay Studio and volunteers for environmental and sustainable projects. Bettina was one of the main uh, forces behind Recipes for Refuge to be published in Seattle. So I am super, super excited, ladies. First, I really would love to go to food because I can't wait. So Toa, I want to know what is your most favorite favorite dish in Vietnamese or Chinese cuisine? Well, I have to say the first thing in my mind is always pho because it's it's so um, it's a, such a simple dish, one bowl dish. It has so much complexity as far as flavor and textures and condiments and herbs that you can add to it. It is full of proteins and nutrient and it's um it's just a very tasty and very um satisfying dish for for one simple bowl so how 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 do you how do you how do you make full or fall it does consist of almost six hours and and so it, it you start out with you know beef bone you have to simmer it and there's a little bit of a technical where you don't want to overboil or it will make the cloth uh, the broth cloudy. You want it to simmer just the right amount of heat, and you want to simmer it for at least six hours, and then you have to um, roast your onions and your garlic. I mean your ginger, no garlic. Roast onions and ginger to add onto the broth, and the final hour you want it to roast the five spice, and I believe that's star anise, fennel, cardamom cinnamon cloves and you you wanted to roast it and then add it into the broth on the last hour otherwise mm-hmm. your broth will be too strong or too dark wow so is this i think in in a pre-interview we did you said that this is a very light easy on stomach kind of food uh, that can be can be prepared and eaten during ramadan Huh? Yes, I mean it's 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 light, it's healthy, and it's uh, very good to have as a, a meal. Excellent, so awesome. So talking of food, uh, Mahnaz, I know that you for the book you were talking about fesenjan or fesenjun as we call it in Iranian cuisine. As uh, it's sort of an expensive 
dish, isn't it? So how do you make it and why you decided you would like to go with Fesinjan rather than Zeresh Polo or the, the, the soury berry or anything or Reime, this the, the other particular stews? Why, why Fesinjan? Um, because it's easy to make for me. And I think my um, also, you know, the group that was working with us, Bettina and all the wonderful volunteers who were working with us, they looked at the recipe and they liked it. So, um, so, so how, how do you, how do you make this and John? How do you make it? Tell me. So it, it's, yeah, I'm always, you know, as a busy woman, I, I'm always looking for something that could be made easily. And um, so it's, it, Fesson Johnning has, you know, the recipe includes pomegranate, walnut, chicken or meat or whatever you like, apples and carrots, olive oil, and, uh, and uh, lots of spices, which is saffron, cinnamon, turmeric, um, salt and pepper. And, but the, the, the way I make it, which is easier, is that I will, um, you know, cook the chicken with onions, tons of onions, and uh, turmeric and uh, cinnamon and saffron and all that, and salt and pepper, and set it aside. Then I will kind of grind the walnut and mix it, also grind apple and carrots, you know, a few apples and carrots, and mix them all together, kind of uh, let them stir them for a little while, and then uh, add pomegranate um, sauce, and then let it cook for about 20 to 30 minutes. So it's something easy for me to put together. It's delicious. And, um, and it's, you know, and it's also something that, as you know, um, during the winter and fall, it's, uh, it's a good food. And it's also very nutritious. Yes, for sure. So I wonder, how about you, Bettina? What is um, what is your manas? First of all, I just got so hungry <laughs> after after this engine and after fall. I am just super hungry right now. I don't know how I can contain myself until eight o'clock. But Bettina, what is your favorite mm -hmm. dish to to cook? Do you have any any of the recipes that you can pick from the book? Uh, yes, there are so many. In fact, I really enjoy Toise chicken salad. That's uh, a very nice light dish that has lots of herbal notes that I really enjoy. And um, I really enjoy the jiaozi as well, which are Chinese dumplings that have mushrooms and different spices. Um, seafood is probably my very favorite thing. I, I like to make uh, guaulux. My mother's from Denmark, so I do a lot of Scandinavian cooking. And that actually isn't really cooking because it's cured salmon. It's, it's salmon that's cured with salt and sugar and spices. And I usually use juniper and dill and other things like that. And it takes about three days. It's something that I usually make for the holidays. That, so uh, it takes about three, three days, Bettina? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You, uh, you just coat the salmon with the sugar and salt and mm -hmm. spices and weight it and flip it once or twice a day for three days and at the end of that you have a beautiful dish wow my goodness yeah. and i love anything with cardamom that's my favorite spice. Mm. me too Which is I... fun because all throughout recipes uh for refuge cardamom is a spice that's used in so many cultures and that mm. was really fun to see mm -hmm. okay so i wonder why a cookbook 
to to write uh, and why refugee women mahnas why cookbook and why refugee women well we were a cookbook happened because we were doing fundraising to build an addition to our main office and uh, our capital campaign manager at that time at again was friends of, friends of Bettina and and many other wonderful uh, ladies who wanted to help so we were in one um there was a as i remember there was a party that you know cooking party that we all went one of our clients who is from somalia was cooking there and we started talking about how wonderful it is to have this you know if if it is possible to have the recipes of from all over the world and one of the people who one of the ladies who was in that um in a party uh, she is a cookbook author So Bethina and her, and they gathered a few other wonderful volunteers mm-hmm. who helped us put this cookbook together. And I have to say, my only contribution was just this, this recipe. Everything that happened was the work of Bettina and Toa and many other volunteers who helped us put this cookbook together. And it was an instrument for fundraising our galas and, you know, and uh, we sold quite a few of them and uh, helped our capital campaign. Excellent. So, Bettina, how did you choose the people and the chefs or people who were contributed to to this cookbook? Well, uh, most of the contributors are clients or employees of Rewa, actually. And so what we did to reach them, we went to ESL classes, we went to potlucks, sort of the end of class celebrations. And um, we went to several different locations and we went during the day and we went during the evening because a lot of people had a hard time um, making it to class because they're working or they had childcare issues, that sort of thing. So we had a group of volunteers go around and actually interview uh, students at these ESL potlucks, which was really a wonderful experience. Um, at first, it was a little challenging to get people to participate. I think there was maybe a little bit of fear or timidity. And so, but once one person agreed to be interviewed, and once we were able to explain, you know, what a cookbook is, not everyone knew what a cookbook or a recipe was. And that not, and beyond understanding the food, we wanted to understand the journey stories of these students and how they ended up in this country from where they came. And then the floodgates really opened and we had people lining up to tell their stories and to share their food with us. And it was just a beautiful, incredible experience. Beautiful and incredible experience, of course. So when uh, Toa was explaining Fa, so I was thinking exactly the same matter that you just explained, Bettina, the journey of a dish that becomes, I think has become mainstream. I eat for, I know many people eat for. So um, mm-hmm. if we just think about the journey of how for became a dish in the United States that many of us know, uh, how would you explain the journey? How did you introduce the to for uh, from your experience to Well, when we first come to the United States, You know, there was very scarce of 
ingredients. So we basically every single family, Vietnamese refugee family, who are cooking for at home. And we're, you know, growing the herbs because you can't get the herbs at the market yet. And um, we would invite some neighbor come over, have some pho, right? Sharing food. Then I think, uh, thankful there was some very smart businessmen starting in LA, realized there was a market to bring these ingredients into Vietnam, into America because we have, you know, floodgate of all these Vietnamese coming in from Vietnam. And uh, I think with that, you start seeing restaurant in within just the Viet Vietnamese community start to come out and doing pho because that is our traditional food to eat when you go eat out. But then also at the same time, there was many soldier veterans from Vietnam, even though, you know, whether they believe in the war or not, they were longing for the flavor of the, the food, the cuisine and the people. So they would gather and go to this pho restaurant and bringing friends with them to introduce the food. And before you know it, I mean, uh, pho is now a very popular item. And it's, it's also, it's a crossover now. So it doesn't have to stay in the community of Vietnam anymore, Vietnamese anymore. I mean, you, it literally are basically, would you like to go eat pizza, tacos, or pho, right? Or sushi. So it become one of the choice of dining now. Yes, one of out. the yes, one of the foods that I can think of, maybe Mahnos can comment on that is kebab. Kebab became one of the yeah. mainstream dish. Right. Uh, and it's a, it started from Mediterranean, and it's a special kind of cooking procedure takes place to mm -hmm. to to cook kebab. But but we have we have kebab as probably the same story as pho that uh, has proceed until become become mainstream. For this, uh, for the matter of uh, moving on with the conversation, I would love to know to learn more about Riva. What is Riva and how did it started and where it's right now, Mahnas? So it's interesting and it's really uh, exciting that you have twine here. Riva is, is an abbreviation for Refugee Women's Alliance. Riva started uh, 35 years ago by a refugee woman who became a fairly successful she came from vietnam and she was a teacher there and she wanted to give back to the community so she she kind of employed her her daughter and two of her friends and they started riva with $35,000 and um, and one program which was our ESL classes the language classes soon they recognized that um, you know Domestic violence is, uh, you know, happening quite a bit in 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 Seattle area. So they added the domestic violence. So by then they ran out of the money that they had. You know, that thirty five thousand. They were about to close the doors. But then there were a couple of friends born and raised in the United States, Caucasian, who helped them write another grant. And over the past thirty five years, we were able to expand. The Refugee Women's Alliance, who was at that time started with helping Southeast Asian to an organization that is providing a holistic system of services 
to remove barriers to um, acculturation and success in the United States. So Riva, um, yeah, now we're serving people from all over the world. And we are not only serving women, we're serving the whole family. So I like to say that Riva uh, is, uh, you know, our services uh, is for the whole family and from cradle to golden ages. So as you mentioned, our, you know, we started with 35,000, our budget is around $10.2 million. We are in six different locations in King County. And our, we have eight core programs, which starts, of course, with language classes. Uh, we have domestic violence. That With that, uh, we, they provide immigration court assistance, behavior health as well. Early learning center that we provide bilingual. We call it uh, soy bilingual. We have three centers that provide um, that, that um, provide early childhood education from zero to five. We also do in, uh, provide employment services, housing subsidy assistance, um, behavior health, which is much needed as well. Very good. Uh, so, in the pre and immigration naturalization. I'm sorry. Excellent. Sure. No worries. So, in the pre-interview, you uh, you mentioned. Um, so going back to, you know, being refugee, they are, they are already traumatized by crossing borders or, or just dealing with whatever it was in their society and, and arriving to a new nation. And right now we just have lots of stigma against refugees or against immigrants. But uh, you, in our pre-interview, you mentioned hate crime against Asians, a disturbing trend we are dealing with right now. This new you, um, a spate of hate crimes started recently due to the pandemic, and surely former U.S. President Donald Trump describing coronavirus as a Wuhan virus really didn't help the matters. And then how are these horrifying crimes um, affecting Asian Americans? I wonder. I wonder. I would like to know Tua's uh, feedback of whether or not you have dealt with um, this kind of hate crime or what is your experience you know um fortunately where i'm at is very in suburban i think in most it's you you hear it from like in chinatown where is the minority more ethnic minorities are there i hear from my friends their elderly their parents like they would be walking to the bus stop things like that they would get picked on or, you know, I have a friend who went into a convenience store and someone will just pointing his face and making some comments, rude comments, things like that. I, I don't I don't know if we're just as bad as they say in like L.A. or New York City. But uh, I do hear from my close friend that they're very upset that their parents, mostly the elderly, I think, are being picked on. And they some of them I heard actually would carry on like maze with them or something like that just to yes be, just to protect them i i personally don't have any experience running to it but yes i i, 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 I think I, that mm -hmm. the Trump narrative uh really escalate i think absolutely with the, with the covid you know where people are uh, it's an escape you know like they just want to find some fault or accuse of something to get upset about but Hopefully it's 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 not 
going to be a big, long thing. I mean, I think most Asian, we don't, we underreport, right? We don't really go out our way to report. We tend to just keep it in ourselves. So it's really hard to um, monitor and see how it's going. But I, yes, I think in the in the pre-interview I had with Mahnas, she was mentioning that one of the programs uh, that at least they are really supporting is self-defense because mm -hmm. of the same the same issue. Uh, before going to Mahnas, I would like to uh, get your take, Bettina, of how do you see so as Caucasian, someone who is supporting. Uh, many of the programs and uh, and projects that Revo is putting together. How, what is your impression? How do you see this uh, hate crime? Yeah, you know, I, I hope that it's last gasps of the previous regime. Um, some some international students at my son's school were actually approached and yelled at and threatened recently. And so we all wrote letters to the students, just letting them know how happy we are to have them as part of our community and how very welcome they, they are. I do wonder along the lines of what Twal was saying about the underreporting and sort of victimizing a group that tends to underreport is, is just such a bullying thing to do. But I am heartened by the response from allies in the community who see that this is wrong and are standing up and speaking out in support of our Asian community and against all forms of hate. So I, I do think too that this, this younger generation is so accepting. Um, I, I see positive change and I hope, I hope this is the last gasp of this sort of intolerable yeah. behavior. Same here, same here. And I wonder how food can help us to to achieve some of the peaceful uh, peaceful relationships between people so mm -hmm. i would like to see what do you think bettina how food can help us with their peaceful relationships well like we say in the book food brings people together it says this is who we are and i think uh, everyone can appreciate good food of all kinds and i think it's a nice way to introduce different cultures um, and and have people understand that really, while we might eat different things, we all like good food. We all come together around the table and we're not so different really in the end. I, mm -hmm. I just think it's such a nice entree for people who maybe don't have the opportunity to travel, um, to develop some curiosity about other cultures and, and, and hopefully through that some understanding as well. Mm -hmm. Excellent, excellent. So how how food can bring us together, in your opinion? I, I just agree so much with what Patina said. It's funny, she said exactly the same thing I've written down here. It's, you know, when we step out of our comfort zone and we want to know more about someone else who's different than we are and what they're eating and what is that food is, and we tried it and then we we also want to know a little bit more about other than food, right? Of the culture and things like that. I mean, that's exactly how in 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 America, this is the boiling point. I mean, this is how we we melt, we bind together and we learn about each other culture and our background. And we understood. And once we understand, I think hopefully it will take away the racism, right? Because now we understand and we don't judge people by what how they look. Absolutely. Right? So yeah. Mahnos, how Fess and John can bring us together? Well, it's about food, right? Um, yes, food. We have 150 staff 
and they're all coming from all over the world. So we speak 50 different languages. We get together and bake um, a bread. We always share food and all that. And that was one of the reasons that we thought, you know, food will bring people together. One thing that we wanted to do with our expansion was to bring the neighbors together and basically do community building, talk about cultures, eat food, celebrate. That's what we do really well at Riva. And um, I think um, I agree with Bettina and Tua. Food will bring people together because you start the conversation and you um, you learn about each other. And then, um, and then you see that, you know, how um, culture is close. You know, they're not, we're not so much different from each other. Mm -hmm. um, the time we use is just, yeah, it's, it's, it's just being able to, I call it education, educating about each other, learning about each other. Yes, absolutely agree. So I volunteered uh, for a few months in Riva as an ESL um, instructor. At the end of every classes, it was customary, it was a tradition for people, for the students to bring food, a, a traditional food from their culture, mm. what they cooked in their in their houses. And then when we had the table, oh my God, the table was full of different kinds of food that, and exactly as you say, Mahna, so I really wanted to know what is the ingredients, what the food is called, how we eat the food, and how we interact with the food and exactly as you are mentioning in the book that food brings people together excellent ladies please stay put with me you are watching Peace Mindedly, a podcast show featuring peaceful bridge makers, finest peaceful bridge makers in the world. We are live streaming our show across uh, social media. Very easy to find us. Matien is on the other end taking questions and comments and also uh, monitoring our conversations. So please write to us if you have any question. If you miss a, a show or a podcast, it's very easy. Go to Google goldtune.com g-o-l-t-u-n-e and you'll under podcast section you'll find many of the interviews that we've done with our guests here actually actually in about uh, three four weeks uh, we are going to celebrate the the first anniversary of podcast and in fact one of the guests and one of the speakers uh, we had about exactly a year ago not exactly but a year ago was a celebrity muslim chef Iwan mafe the name of the show was inspirational muslim celebrity chef and there Iwan talked about her website and her book My Halal Kitchen and she shared lots of very delicious food to to prepare and to to cook during Ramadan and many of the very delicious desserts one of my favorite one was banana date cup so uh, please do check out Yvonne's uh, interview and you'll find lots of interesting recipes uh, within the Mediterranean cuisine. Uh, next week, we will talk to uh, Alan Mikhail, Professor of Early Modern History and Middle Eastern Studies at Yale University. His latest book, God's Shadow, Sultan Selim, His Ottoman Empire and the Making of the Modern World has been named one of the best books of the year by literary and academic reviewers.
one review calls it a stunning work of global history that offers a bold and thoroughly convincing new way to think about the origin of the modern world. In God's Shadow, Mikhail demonstrates that the Ottoman Empire was a hub of intellectual fervor, geopolitical power, and enlightened pluralistic rule. He argues that neglecting Ottoman Empire power and influence in forging a new world is unjustifiable. A week after that, we will talk to Severin Atesere, author of Frontlines of Peace, an insider's view to changing the world. An award-winning author and peace builder, Atesere combines a scholar's rigor and activist passion to tell the story of ordinary men and women who managed to reduce violence within their communities. So this program is especially important to me. One of the reason war happens and revolution happens and destruction happens after the war. What really matters is how special women within their grassroots communication get together to rebuild the society non-violently and with peace. We are going to review some of those societies by Atasere. Back to this hour, we are talking to Mahnaz Eshatu, Executive Director of Refugee Women Alliance, or RIVA, Toa Nguyen, chef and researcher, and Bettina Simons, a cookbook producer and marketer regularly involved in philanthropist projects. So I am bringing these beautiful ladies into my screen. And I would like to know, Bettina, so you told me that how you decided to, which person to include and which person not to include. But were you also concerned about the regions of uh, the places that refugees were coming. So let's say, did you really try to cover Mediterranean or Southeast Asian or Chinese? So how did you go about of putting the recipes together? Yeah, the, the cookbook really represents a broad the broad spectrum of the people that Rewa serves and who often then come to work for Rewa. So um, we we didn't decide that. It was really who came to us with their with their recipes and stories. And then of course, within that, we tried to be as equitable as possible. I think more than 35 countries are represented in the book. So I think we, we tried to include everyone who wanted to participate within the realm of possibility. Um, we, it's an all volunteer project and we were so fortunate to be able to get a, a wonderful, photo producer and professional photographers and stylists and all, all of the wonderful, almost all women who contributed their time and, uh, and talent. So we did have a little bit of limitation that way. But sure. otherwise, we, we included, we talked to everyone who wanted to talk to us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Excellent. Uh, Mahnaz, is there any, any particular recipe that you like or you enjoyed in the book? You know, I I enjoyed most of them, and they're all you know. I would say they're all delicious, um, and uh, really, I mean, they're all fantastic. Depending, and I'll use them quite often when you know, one day I want Vietnamese, one day I want you know something from Somalia, something from Mid Middle East, something from you know, it's open, and uh, something from um, Europe, 
and uh, it's all there. Excellent. Uh, Toa, what is uh, your recipe in the book? I think it was the Saigon chicken mango salad, something like that. Tell me, okay. tell me the recipe. Well, it's uh, shredded chicken um, that you cook in, I, um, I think there was a little bit of a lime zest, garlic, ginger, mm -hmm. sesame oil, something like that. I do them differently depending on which recipes or what I have. And then um, you would slice cabbage, mango. You can do it instead. You can do papaya if you like. Um, the herbs play a great uh, note in this recipe. So I love mint. But some people like to add cilantro or um, basil. And then there's a recipe, I mean, there is a um, dressing, which is fish sauce, lime juice, sugar, some, some other things into it. I think sesame oil. And then you just toss it and then you toss it with the chicken. It's, it's quite fast. And if you don't want to do chicken, you can have tofu. And I literally um, sometimes do really quick a salad without any of the meat and actually use it on my fish tacos. I mean, it sounds crazy, but it's delicious. You can use it on lots and lots of dish. Excellent, excellent. Something fast to, to prepare. So Mahana, speaking of fast and being so, so busy, what are, uh, if you wanted to recommend a dish or a dessert or something for Ramadan. What is your what is your recommendation? Not from particularly from book, but in general. Um, if I go back to my culture, my tradition, my my grandmother used to make, you know, fesanjan, of course, and then the, the, the tons of other desserts and uh, and um, also what we call it kufte. It's just it's a Turkish called kebab kufte, but kufte is different in Iran. You know, it's meat and different um, herbs and different rice and different things attached to it. So I I think that that was something that we always had and lots of dessert, lots of dates, lots of um, it was like dessert. Tell oh, me about dessert. So what kind? What what kind of desserts are uh, or is your favorite dessert for for Ramadan? Well, sholazar, you know, it, it's you you yeah. make saffron and, and almond and uh, uh, and it's making it really, um, you could also add pistachio into it and uh, with rose water and other, and other spices. But it's, that's what I like for Ramazan. Yeah, actually, in fact, I'm going to make uh, sholazar, which we call it saffron pudding for uh, tonight's iftar because again it's very easy easy on the stomach um, this is something that i enjoy okay bettina so what would you recommend for you know easy easy food or dessert for for ramadan for us you know um i just saw a recipe in the new york times um i think it's called kunin giapa from a food writer called yawande kamalafe and I've been really heartened to see the New York Times and other publications really promoting more BIPOC writers and more um, diverse sorts of recipes from all over the world. And this is, um, it's, it's listed as something that's good for, for breaking the fast for iftar and it's a sort of sweet porridge that's, it's nut based actually. And that appealed to me to try. 
Yeah. So can you share this article with us on social media so then yeah. we can share it with our audience? I'm sure that people would love to to see at least what that is or probably to try. Excellent. Um, so I'm thinking... I would love to know, uh, I think we covered the countries, we covered women who were cooking and, and we covered reason. I want to know if there is anything else you would like to share about your relationship with Riva and with this amazing organization. I'm going to start with Bettina and then we go mm -hmm. to Toa and then Mahnas. Mm -hmm. um, I started volunteering with Riva after Trump was elected, I had been going to marches and I wanted to do more. And I was, as a daughter of, of an immigrant and having grown up with two people who are not from this country and then my, my father's mother also not very far removed from Scotland, it was important to me um, to do something on that front. And I had a, a friend who worked for Rewa, uh, Ramla Ringgold Olt, who was in charge of their capital campaign. So I called and asked, how can I help? And she said, I would like you to come on as a, as a bridge builder. And um, that's someone who sort of promotes Rewa to the larger community. And so I joined that way and, and started helping with um, things like benefit concerts. And then the cookbook, um, they had asked if I would host a cooking party where this beautiful Somali woman, Rahima, and her sister taught us all to make baris and some other dishes. And one of the people that I invited um, is Leslie Miller, who's the principal of Girls Friday Productions. And I had put together just a small booklet of recipes for the cooking party. And we spoke and she said, I would love to help you make a real cookbook. And so that's how it all began. And um, I had worked for Nordstrom in marketing and had a friend who's still a, a photo producer for them, Jill Rayner Holdcroft. So everyone just kind of fell into place and, um, everyone was so happy to help because Rewa does such incredible work. As Manaz said, it's, it's really everything from preschool to mental health, bio, uh, domestic violence prevention, uh, citizenship, elder care, job training. It's, it's really remarkable what Rewa is able to do um, with the resources that they have. And um, so I feel so lucky to be able to be part of that and to help where I can. Excellent. So Toa, what is your relationship with Riva and what would you like us to know uh, about uh, you, the relationship and the book? Well, I got, and I think I got introduced to Riva from um, Teresa. I think she was one of the co-founder. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, she also, they also came to my, um, the organization that I was in, which is Peace Tree Vietnam, which demining. And so I, um, you know, decided to go to the fundraising. And so since then, I, I became as as far as just a donor, like the just help supporting the cause. Mm -hmm. And I know it's a great organization when you're a refugee coming to the country because you need help with the language, the school system, you know, just little, just. <clears throat> small uh, or big part of your your life to to get to the mainstream and i know Excellent. we does a really good job on that when we when 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 we first came to this country as a vietnamese refugee there wasn't really a whole lot of things set up so we were very uh we had to 
just figure things out on their own. But with Rewa right now, you know, they they work with all kinds of refugee now that they, they it's basically moving away from Vietnamese because that's no longer the needs. Now it's, you know, Middle Eastern and, you know. So, Syrian and other refugees, exactly. exactly. So, right. uh, uh, following up with what Toa and Bettina said, Mahnas, you are Riva, but uh, our, uh, four of us here, three of us are immigrant and, right. and one refugee. So we know the tremendous challenge that right. we face in, in the host uh, nation. This, it's not a host anymore. It is our country, our, mm-hmm. our nation. But when we are new, everything is dramatically difficult. So what is your take on why we need an organization like Riva? I like to call ourselves um, Riva community builder. We are helping refugees and refugees have unique needs. They're not here to be on social services or anything. They're here to build better lives for themselves. They're being, despite all those propaganda in the past four years, they're, they're, if they didn't face all the challenges, the trauma, war, execution, they wouldn't leave their countries. But they're here to build better lives and they're doing everything that they can to work harder, to study, and to do whatever it takes to build better lives for their families. And Riwa helps refugees do that. And um, I think why building a stronger refugee community we are building a lot a better community better communities in the united states and uh, because despite you know the refugees are coming here with nothing on their back right but they're determined they're resilient they are they want to make better lives and they don't want to start stay on social services they want to get out and we help them to make that happen and um, mm-hmm is very important as an immigrant to this country. It was very important for me to give back to the community, to the society. And I wanted to spend the last, you know, 10 years of my life serving an organization that does that. And Riva, Riva's mission is just that, to build a stronger communities, to help refugees and immigrants build better lives for themselves. And we advocate on their behalf as well, and also help them establish uh, better leadership for them for themselves. If anyone want to help Riva, what is what are the ways? What 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 should they do? So there are many ways they can help Riva, and I think our, our friends in here um, they just said that you could you could help by just supporting Riva through you know funding. You could call you know they can, they can go to our website. They can they can volunteer with Riva. Um, if they want to, and uh, they can also participate in many different events that we have. They can they can talk about Riva and advocate on behalf of refugees and immigrants in mm-hmm. the United States. And Excellent. right now, that's, we all, that's what we all need to bring people together, to bring to to remove the negativity about people who are coming from the rest of the world to this country to build better lives for themselves. Yes, yes, inshallah. Please stay put with me. Uh, this hour, we talked to Mahnaz Shetu, Executive Director of Riva Refugee Women Alliance, Toa Nguyen, 
chef and restaurant owner in Seattle's Chinatown, and Bettina Simmons, cookbook producer and marketer. They all contributed to recipes for refuge culinary journeys to America. So the signature for our show is our ask our guests to share something meaningful about peace, kindness, compassion. That something can be a statement, can be a prayer, can be a story, can be anything that uh, we love. We love them to leave us with a peaceful and, and kindness, kindness feelings in our hearts. So I am wondering who would like to go first. I'm just, uh, I mean, who would like to go first? I will. Okay, excellent, Bettina. Go ahead. So um, this is a Scottish blessing. My my grandmother's family was from Scotland, and it's called the blessing of light, rain, and earth. May the blessing of light be on you, light without and light within. May the blessed sunlight shine on you and warm your heart till it glows like a great fire, so that the stranger may come and warm himself at it and also a friend. And may the light shine out of the two eyes of you like a candle set in the windows of a house, bidding the wanderer to come in out of the storm. And may the blessing of the rain be upon you, the soft, sweet rain. May it fall upon your spirit so that all the little flowers may spring up and shed their sweetness on the air. And may the blessing of the great rains be on you. May they beat upon your spirit and wash it fair and clean and leave there many a shining pool where the blue of a heaven shines and sometimes a star. And may the blessing of the earth be upon you, the great round earth. May you ever have a kindly greeting for them you pass as you're going along the road. May the earth be soft under you when you rest upon it, tired at the end of the day, and may it rest easy over you when at the last you lay out under it. May it rest so lightly over you that your soul may be out from under it quickly and up and off and on its way. Excellent, so may the blessing be upon you. Excellent, awesome. So Manos, I'm going to go with you and then with Toa. So what would you like to uh, to share with us about peace, kindness, and compassion? I'm going to um, uh, read you a poem from Sadi, a translation of that poem from Sadi, our great philosopher, Persian philosopher and poet. Human beings are numbers of a whole, members of a whole, in creation of one essence and soul. If one member is inflicted with pain, other members uneasy with will remain. If you have no sympathy for human pain, the name of human you cannot retain. Amazing. This is probably the fifth or sixth times that this uh, poem has been recited in our program. That's, that's amazing. And Toa, what would you like to share with us about peace, kindness, and compassion? Well, mine is a little short. <laughs> but what I like to say is try new food, learn new culture, welcome diversity, and we will all overcome racism in this country. Amazing. Well said. It's absolutely amazing. I do have Martin with me. Thank you so much. Uh, honestly, I blame fasting for my mispronunciation of the last names. And other than that, I usually do a good job. Thank you very much, everyone, for being in our show. It was a pleasure to host you and, and see you very soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.